You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Hey there, you. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Hope all the dads out there had a fantastic Father's Day. Whole bunch on the slate for this Monday morning. So, of course, let's roll. You know the deal. One hour. We run through it all. We take you up until 6 o'clock. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question is up for today. A fun one today. We went a little, you know, a little off the, the beaten track, maybe. Not the normal, you know, not the news sense kind of poll question. A little fun, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, just a sensational weekend. You know, yesterday, the weather was phenomenal. And, you know, with the weather being what it is right now, even if you're staying home and, and just getting outside with your kids and it's Father's Day weekend, you know, there were times where it felt like things, you could almost feel like things were normal, right? You'd almost kind of forget the time and day that we're living in. And you had the Belmont on Sunday, tis the law. Winning that. And Saturday, we uh, had a show on Saturday, and we had, during that two hours, a very scientific method of coming up with the pick for the Belmont. I can't reveal it now. It's just too complex a process that we delved into all the different numbers. But our research pointed to uh, tap it to win. And they did shorten the Belmont this year. Unfortunately, they needed to shorten it even more for Tappet to win. It, it, they had it, I think it was a mile and an eighth. Usually it's a, a mile and a quarter. If they had just cut it in half, like just made it half a mile, Tappet to win would have been golden. Tappet to win was like if you're playing like a game on PlayStation or Xbox and you're tapping the button like crazy at first and then, you know, your muscles kind of tire a little bit. Tappet to win slowed down, like way down. So, no, tap it to win did not win. But between the weather and having that sporting event to focus on on a weekend, even though, you know, it's not back to normal, but as I said, it kind of felt like we were getting back to normal or at least a whole lot more than they have been as of lately. But, of course, we are not because you have, of course, all the baseball negotiations apparently continuing the sides, continuing to do what they do there, which is basically a whole bunch of nothing. But the good news on a Monday, focus on the positivity, no matter how you feel about the baseball, and I think a growing number of you, I think we're kind of in agreement on this, is you don't really feel anything. (laughs) I mean, apathy has uh, replaced anger there. Uh, But considering how the two sides have botched this nine ways to Sunday, baseball, the conversation surrounding baseball is just about up, right? Just based on the timing of things, based on the schedule of things, based on the back and forth, and it doesn't really seem like there's a whole lot of progress anyway. But baseball is about to go from being the na- the national pastime to just being past time, just to being irrelevant. So that's the good news. Basically, you would think, right, if they can't come up with anything by this week, by the time we get to Friday, if baseball is no closer or really if they've not come to some sort of an agreement by then, given the amount of time they would need to ramp things up, spring training round two, the time frame you're talking about of trying to squeeze in, be it 60 games, 70 games, into the, the allotted schedule, is it things stand right now, the time frame according to baseball, they, they want to squeeze 60 games into 66 days, and as we all know, 
The space-time continuum does not stop. The clock is still ticking. So it would think you would think that if you do not come up with a deal by the end of this week, well then, no deal is necessary, guys. Good news. You're off the hook because you're done. So as bad as the news is inside the talks, the news outside the talks looks even worse because you had a report yesterday that more than 10 major league camps were hit with coronavirus cases in the last week. USA Today reported that they had a total of 40 players and staff members around Major League Baseball that tested positive within the past week, which is really kind of crazy when you consider how many people have even been in those facilities. Now, I'm, I'm sure that there are people there and working on all that kind of stuff, but think about how how those numbers will change once you have, I mean, how many people were even going into those facilities? The numbers have to be greatly, greatly reduced where you would think that most people who can work from home, just about everybody still is. So that's not great news there. And then you have the latest is the players were planning to vote on the uh Offer presented by the owners, the 60 game plan. That was supposed to happen yesterday. It's been put off for now. Apparently they're putting it off to gather more information. If they came to an agreement, if the season had to be shortened even further, all the reports are that if they do vote, the 60 games will get voted down. Then Manfred would institute the season. Then the players will file a grievance and then we can all ram our heads into the wall. Yippee. But I think the overall point on the baseball is that the time to make a deal is either here or it's gone. There's no real time anymore for any more back and forth. If you don't come up with a deal by Friday, the time has passed. So here's Buster Only talking yesterday on ESPN Radio saying that Manfred is trying to undercut the, the, the whole, this whole thing is not really about coming to a deal as much as it is trying to present the best legal case in case there's a grievance. So here's Buster saying that uh, Manfred is just trying to undercut any future grievances by the players. I can tell you that on MLB side, they're not afraid of a grievance per se. They're not losing sleep overnight. It was very interesting the other day, the sequence of events with uh, Rob Manfred going out to see Tony Clark. And then after that meeting was over, Rob issuing a statement that began with the words, at my request. As you read it, you understood that Rob Manfred's got all these years of training as a lawyer, and it was like he was checking every box. And if you were to paraphrase the wording in that statement, at my request, in other words, I'm trying, we met, we discussed, I'm trying, we're trying. (laughs) It was as if that whole effort was really to undercut any future grievance if it were to be filed. And I think I mean, I'd be shocked if that wasn't part of the plan and going out and making the flight out to Arizona and speaking with Tony Clark beyond the hope of trying to reach an agreement. All right, so there's Buster from ESPN Radio talking about the back and forth there. It's funny because Brian, the producer of the show, Brian Munguia, uh, sends me out an audio sheet before every show, right? Whatever pertinent audio that we might want to use. Uh, and he has Buster only from this location and that location. He has one from SportsCenter. <laughs> and the, the the tab, the, the title of the cut, what it's talking about is growing pessimism between both sides. Growing pessimism. How much larger can this thing grow? This The, the pessimism is the size of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man at the end of Ghost. I mean, <laughs> it's still growing. It's 
going to swallow the universe before too long, the pessimism. All right. I don't know what we need to know anymore about the. I think we all are on board with the growing pessimism surrounding Major League Baseball. Funny thing is, as well, are there cuts from Tim Kirchin, baseball insider extraordinaire, from something called the best week ever? I would think with the current state of the baseball negotiations, any baseball writer, even one as great as Tim Kirchin, should be banned from anything titled the best week ever. No conversation on a show called The Best Week Ever should be ever focusing on anything regarding Major League Baseball at this point. But we won't play Tim Kirchin either. But uh, baseball is not the only one dealing with this, even though the NBA has been uh, you know, highlighted as, as handling things and preparing things, as well as any sports league, at least in North America. The, the concerns there are continuing to grow because the numbers of COVID cases down in Florida are continuing to grow. So here's Brian Windhorst from SportsCenter yesterday morning talking about the situation in Orlando and that uh, at least as things are trending right now, things are not looking good. There are players who are concerned about the virus absolutely in general and the situation developing in the Orlando area. There are players who want to remain focused on the Black Lives Matter movement that is right now, uh, for, for so many of them, the central focus of their lives. There are players who are concerned about injury, especially free agents who potentially don't want to get hurt before going into a big free agency. And there are players who are overseas who may not want to come back into the U.S. in the current situation right now. Um, all overseas players were supposed to be back by June 15th, but Hannah, they did not all come back. How many will make it back? We'll see. Having said all of that, let me tell you. This, from what everybody that I talk to right now, is too big to fail. The overwhelming majority of players are excited. They want to be there. They know that there's going to be positive tests as they start entering the bubble with their teams uh, in the next few days. Can I say that that's going to be the case next Sunday when we talk? No, I cannot. But right now, this is too big to fail. All right. So at least that's the situation right now where it feels like uh, thinking that anything is too big to fail, given the, the environment and the world and everything else. That seems like a dangerous mindset to have, but uh, we shall see. And it, it's key because I think it's, what is it, uh, Wednesday is the 24th? And the 24th is the date where players have to decide of whether or not they are going to take part or not in the NBA's restart. So that's something, obviously, we'll be focusing on as the week goes along. And then, of course, uh, if you're looking for the headlines this morning, well, then there's the NASCAR story. I know what you're probably thinking is those words come out of my mouth. Well, Gordon, the NASCAR, you're going to, yes, well, the NASCAR story is that they're racing in Alabama this week. The race was, I believe, pushed back to today because of um, weather concerns, but that's not really the focus, or at least not for us, what the focus is. The focus for us is this story about a noose was found in the garage stall of Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace, as you know, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago is the lone African-American driver on the top circuit. And, of course, he has come out a couple of weeks ago, pushed for NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag at its events. So this is obviously a, a disgusting and I, what other word would you use? Evil development that uh, is going to be front and center on all the shows, not just sports shows, but news shows. So NASCAR has... Um, released a statement right away, quote, we have launched an immediate investigation. We'll do everything we can to identify the person, persons responsible and eliminate them from the sport. Well, look, as you know, um, I don't know, maybe you're big into NASCAR. I am a complete outsider. But speaking even as a complete outsider, 
I think that anybody with half a brain would realize it should be relatively easy to identify whoever's responsible. A, given the time that and I would think even not even in the time that we're in, but since we are in the time that we're in, the restrictions with no fans in the stands, or I think there's a limited amount of fans, maybe 5,000 people that were uh, – the restrictions you have, there has to be fewer people given access to those areas. And then B, to have access to those areas, even if you do, there has to be cameras of some kind marking just about every area, right? I mean, everywhere you go nowadays – you are on camera. You should just expect that you're on camera everywhere you go. And it's great that NASCAR has begun an investigation. I would think the investigation that really matters is going to be the one done by whatever branch of law enforcement is going to get involved. And just kind of researching the story, people that are involved in NASCAR, they say that access to that area and those kind of areas are restricted to NASCAR credentialed persons. And not open to any fans, so that can be scratched off the list right away. And that NASCAR basically has cameras everywhere. It's a closed garage with limited access. So again, it should be super easy to identify whoever was involved in that uh, in that story. So maybe there'll be some developments in that in the course of the day. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. And then, of course, there's the Jamal Adams story. Oh, more developments there. Are there really developments there? Well, yes, there are developments there. Jamal now apparently is trying to get himself traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Wow, really? Jamal? So coming up, we'll get into that. And that ties into our poll question for today, which is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. We talked about this on Saturday, and a caller brought up an excellent point. Whenever you have these type of disagreements, right, and it seems like, I don't know, maybe it's not the case, but at least to me, it seems like Jet fans have already kind of turned on Jamal. Like the act is wearing thin. The fact that he is already moving on from the team, whether or not the team is moving on from him, doesn't seem like that's the case. But it seems like he's turned away from the team and fans who have always been big Jamal fans are kind of turning away from him because they're they're tired of uh, the the demands and the act and 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 the way he has gone about it. In a time where you would think that uh, right, there's not really much going on. You would think that, given the outside world, that he would not be acting in this way. Even if it were not the way the world is right now, he wouldn't be acting this way. But certainly right now, with the the unemployment and the, the health situation, all these type of things. So it seems like a lot of fans, if not the majority of fans, have kind of turned against Jamal. So whenever that happens, and it it happened with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. before he got traded by the Giants, it seems like that portion of fans, they don't necessarily care about getting the best package, but there's a portion of them that wants that player punished for betraying their fandom. They want him punished. They want him sent someplace. That's the worst possible destiny. Oh, you want traded? All right, fine. Well, we're going to send you here. So we came up with four possibilities. If you want to see him punished, what's the worst destination to send Jamal Adams? Right? He came up with his list of the teams that he wants to go to. Obviously, those would not be any possibilities at all. 
So we came up with four. Coming up, I'll give you the, the destinations of uh, where you would want to send Jamal if you want to punish him. If you, if you want him to be punished as a result of his actions, demanding a trade and demanding a contract, demanding this and demanding that. Hopefully everyone had a wonderful uh, Father's Day weekend. Hopefully everyone just had a wonderful weekend, right? The, the weather certainly has turned. Had the kids outside. Finally off the computers, off the devices, off the phones, getting them running around in the grass, getting them in the pool a little bit. So hopefully you uh, had a, a wonderful weekend as well. But uh, you know who did uh, apparently have a wonderful weekend? Jamal Adams. Jamal, yes, he's back in the news, continuing the news cycle. And he ties into our poll question for today. But in case you're just waking up, just getting rolling on this uh, Monday morning, Jamal after coming up with that list of teams, right? He had eight teams on the list that he would like to go to that I'm sure that Joe Douglas and Adam Gase are Peru. Oh, my. All right. Oh, Tampa's on. Okay, we'll put Tampa on there as well. I'm sure that they're running through those list of teams and not concerned with anything else outside of Jamal Adams. But apparently, I know this is going to come as a shock, there's one team that's top that list. Like, he has a lot of teams on that list, but there's a lot of teams on that list, but uh, number one on that list is the Dallas Cowboys, which really shouldn't be all that much of a shock, considering that when everything happened last year, when the trade talks first popped up, and he was outraged, the Jets would even take phone calls on his name, which I don't know how you would know that that's what the people were calling about. Apparently, as soon as Jamal's name is com- comes up, according to Jamal, you just hang up the phone right away. But when we got last together on Friday... We were talking about Jamal, and I'm pretty sure that's also how he spent his weekend, talking about Jamal. But on Saturday, I did a two-hour show uh, in the afternoon, and Jamal obviously was a hot topic. And my take on the topic, after having some time to think about it, is basically that Jamal is a very unreasonable person. Like, really, from the moment that he was drafted, he has come off as a completely unreasonable person. The trade talk, when it first popped up, right? Not wanting to talk to the GM or the coach about it. He was so upset. Comparing himself to Tom Brady and Aaron Donald. Then his response was, when somebody brought up the Dallas Cowboys, well, you know, I'm from Dallas. People have to realize I'm from Dallas. Oh, so when it comes to you, we have to understand that there's mitigating factors. But anything other than your concerns, no mitigating factors at all. But then the contract stuff, wanting to be the highest paid safety, the highest paid jet, $20 million a year, according to the report. Just about everything involving him, he, he comes off as being completely unreasonable, mainly because everything, according to him, has to happen on his time frame, right? The fact that the contract talk has not uh, resulted in a deal as of yet, well, it's too late. I, I need to move on. It's time to move on, right? He went from maybe it's time to move on, and then over the weekend on Instagram, he said, it is time to move on. So now there's video of Jamal that has surfaced on, uh, I think it was Twitter, on Sunday, showing a guy who certainly looks like Jamal Adams. A fan asked him while driving about whether or not he was going to come to the Dallas Cowboys. And Jamal's response was, I'm trying, bro. So I, I think that if you had a list of you know all the teams that he has, it's pretty clear that Dallas is the uh, number one team on the list. Well, look, I think that more time passes and the more comes out about this. Look, 
I don't think anything's going to change. There's no reason for anything to change. There's no reason for the Jets to all of a sudden start thinking about, wow, we got to get on this, right? He, he has no leverage. He can't force anything anywhere, especially considering we don't even know if there's going to be a season. Like, why would you make any moves right now, even contemplate any moves right now, for A, a player that you don't want to move, B, a player that you still plan on trying to get a contract done with, and C, you don't know if there's going to even be a year played. So I don't think that that this is going to come to an end anytime soon, so Jamal can kind of try to crank things up as much as he wants. But I think that if you had the, the two buttons in front of you, I know a lot of people think, well, you know what? He just wants to get paid. He just wants his contract done. He just is trying to force the Jets' hand. I think more and more it's becoming pretty clear it's not really about the contract as much as it is that he wants out. You can say, well, you know, I just want my contract. I just want to get paid. The the lifestyle in the NFL is one where it's a high-contact sport, high-injury sport, and I got to take care of me, and everyone's an independent contractor, and there's no loyalty to players, so why should players show loyalty to teams? You can't say it's about getting paid when he's willing to go anywhere well, on the teams on his list and not force the contract issue somewhere else. If it's just about getting paid, if it's just about the contract, well, then wherever you end up, it's going to be about the contract. But he has apparently made it clear that the contract would not be a stumbling block about getting dealt to one of the teams that he wants to go to. Now, if I were the Jets... I would think, at least as a fan point of view, you would take a look at the list of teams that he had come up with and cross each and one. If you're going to be a spiteful person, like I tend to be, I would take every single team on that list and just cross them off the list, mainly because none of those teams, if you're looking at primarily draft picks, all those teams are good teams. All those draft picks are going to be at the end of the first round, if not at the end of the first round. So um, in terms of the contract itself or in terms of a destination to send him someplace so he can get his contract, uh, I would not be looking at any of those teams as being the, the ones that are first and foremost in my mind unless they're just willing to crazily overpay. But as I mentioned there before the break, with fans, and it seems like, and maybe I'm wrong, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number if I am, that a lot of Jet fans, boy, they have turned on Jamal. They're, they're a little sick of it. And I can understand why, because it almost feels like from the moment he was drafted, we've been talking about Jamal and his contract and his, uh, you know, enough's enough. So for those unhappy, for that portion of fans who are unhappy about Jamal and the way he's handling things, not just the trade request, but the way he is going about things, it seems like a lot of times it's about punishing that guy. Well, you know, and this, as I said, happened with Odell. Remember, even before Odell got traded, a lot of people were bringing up, you know what, they should send him to Cleveland. Send him to the Browns. See how he likes that. And I always thought it was weird that you're like, well, shouldn't you want to get the best deal? Like, wherever he goes, don't you want to go send him to a place where, you know, the draft pick is going to be higher, it's going to be a good pick? But no, that wasn't really the, 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 the thing that people were really focused on. It was about punishing him. And shockingly enough he ends up going to cleveland it was crazy so let's you know have a little bit of a of, a, of, a, of an experiment little open-ended thought experiment if you were going to punish adams by sending him to the worst possible destination where would you send him well look i try to keep it realistic right like because miami would certainly be a team that's terrible i know that from firsthand experience but you're not going to send him 
somewhere within the division. So I did not include the Bengals. I guess the Bengals would be the one team. But I, I came up with, with three, and then the kicker is the fourth one. So the three that I came up with, the one that I've heard the mention the most in terms of punishing him is Jacksonville. Jacksonville is clearly going to be a terrible team, and you could question right now whether or not they're intentionally trying to be a terrible team because it certainly seems like if you had to come up with a team right now, the best odds, and I don't know what they are, of, of having a number one pick or at least being in the top three next season, you'd have to say Jacksonville is a terrible destination. Not a very good team, quarterback situations completely unknown, and it seems like they're going to be a, a bad team if there is a 2020. So that's your first option, Jacksonville. Punish him by sending him to the Jaguars. B, Cleveland. And I was thinking about Cleveland, taking Cleveland out and putting Cincinnati in, but Cleveland just has this, this uh, thing about them as being, you know, destination nowhere land, right? Even more so than the Bengals. Bengals at least have had some success more recently than Cleveland has. Not last year, you know, but in terms of going to the playoffs, not being able to win, but at least going to the playoffs. So I went with Cleveland. Cleveland's number two. Three is Washington. Not that I would think that Washington would be a very realistic uh, destination considering uh, some of the, the moves that they've made, especially the safety position with Landon Collins and all that type of stuff. But Washington seems like a bad destination right now. Seems like a lost organization. They're perennially a lost organization. Or D. D would be to keep him on the Jets. <laughs> if you really want to punish him, just keep him right where he is. And at least so far, D is the one that is uh, leading the charge. I would think that if the worst possible destination to me would be Washington. Washington is just a bad organization, a lost organization. And right, they've spent a ton of money on Landon Collins, so why would they ever make another move for uh, a safety, one that they're going to have to also sink a ton of money into, right? You end up uh, having 40% of your salary cap on safeties, not exactly the most uh, premier position that there is. Well, it does seem kind of unrealistic, but considering about how poorly Washington has been run over the last 20 years with Daniel Snyder, if there is a team that would do something as moronic as that, you'd have to think that Washington would be a pretty good bet of being being the team that would do that. So I would say if I wanted to really punish him so that the rest of his, whatever he signs his contract for five years or whatever it is, those five years are probably going to result in not going to the playoffs at all. So that would be my vote, Washington. But so far, at least, uh, people are saying just keep him on the Jets. Just keep him right where he is. The stage is set. It's go time. Keep the scene. We in the mix. It's 96 and rising from the Philly streets of team trying to find his direction and make that connection. Not knowing what to expect then. Taking it step by step then. You weather through the rain. In your heart and your brain. Trying to learn the terrain. Ice water in your veins. Your aim, off a new lane. Covering the canvas with your paint. In a picture to end up a fixture. Too large for any frame. You beat the eyes uh, by The tribute that they had. Last night was the ESPYs. And they had a tribute, obviously, to uh, Kobe Bryant after his uh, his passing earlier this year. And it was obviously done by uh, Snoop Dogg. And you really got I We tried to use it as the audio just alone. But you really need the video there because it was really amazingly done. It's a couple of minutes long. I'm sure you can find it on ESPN.com. 
Uh, and I thought it was just uh, amazingly done. And it does, I mean, it, this year, uh, the amount of things that have happened in 2020 that we'll be talking about forever, uh, it, it feels so long ago now, right? That the Kobe Bryant news and as shocking as it was and as devastating as it was with the, you know, all the people, his daughter and everything else. It almost feels like it, it happened in a different year at this point. And uh, to be only halfway through this year of 2020, I, I just thought it was really, really well done last night and that they uh, they paid tribute to uh, to Kobe on the ESPYs. And uh, so if you get a chance, some point today, check it out. And uh, our moment of inspiration for this uh, Monday morning as we take you up until 6 o'clock. And I should say, if you have a small business trying to get the word out that you're still serving the community, let us know. We've had over 350 local businesses reach out, and we're still sharing their messages. Send an email to 987ESPN at gmail.com. Let us know your story so we can pass the word along to our listeners. Again, that's 987ESPN at gmail.com. Like Cugina Pizzeria and Restaurant, located 432 Jericho Turnpike in Mineola, New York. They're doing pickup, curbside, and delivery open every day from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Call them 516-248-7770 or visit them on their website, CuginaPizza.com, to place your order. All right, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. We've been talking a lot about Jamal Adams this morning, and it, it seems like people are in agreement that if you want to punish Jamal Adams and his trade request, all you do is just keep him right where he is. And look, he can come up with whatever he wants, concoct things here and there, liking Instagram posts of him in a Dallas Cowboys uniform. Why would the Jets – I mean, unless you're just completely inept, why would you do anything anytime soon? You know, as we brought up on Saturday, there's talk about if there is a season. Even if there is a season it gets off on time, you'd have to assume – that there's probably not going to be the normal amount of fans in the stands, right? And that will impact revenues, which will impact the future salary cap. Now, I don't even know if his if his contract demands are realistic for a good team, right? Can you pay what Jamal Adams is looking for and build a good team when, again, everybody's going to start to become more expensive, on your team, right? You're, you're hoping that you're not going to be picking in the top five or six every single year like you have been for the last five or six years. So the, the contract for the quarterback is going to be coming up here after this year, assuming that the year takes place. Other players on the team you're assuming are going to be start to become more expensive as they get deeper into their careers. So can you pay a safety, even if it's only $15 million a year, can you still build your team given the importance of the position that's a question that just have to ask ordinarily. But now with the uncertainty surrounding everything in the NFL and the salary cap, the impact on that, why would you do anything right now? So I don't expect that this is going to end anytime soon. We'll, so we'll just have to see what Jamal comes up with to kind of keep this issue at least uh, front and center in a social media sense, because I don't know that it's necessarily front and center for the Jets. They haven't said anything, and I wouldn't expect that they're going to. Right? That's the, the beauty of the uh, situation that they have right now is – they're not going to have really, I would think, any availability anytime soon. Maybe when training camps open, if they do, they'll say something then. But that's still a long ways off if uh, you're looking to avoid the topic, which it seems like uh, why would you why would you put anything out there right now to just feed fire into a situation where you don't need to feed fire into it? Anti-shark cage. Anti-shark cage. You go inside the cage. 
Case goes in the water. You go in the water. Sharks in the water. Our shark. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain. Yes! Incredible Jaws. Even though it was disrespected by a lot of you in the uh, rewatchable movie bracket. 45 years ago, Saturday, Jaws was released. I kind of went down the wormhole a little bit with it uh, over the weekend. I saw, I don't remember where I was reading it. But a couple of interesting things, like Jaws is based on a book. And in the book, the book apparently is really weird. In the book, Hooper... Richard Dreyfus's character apparently has an affair with Cheap Brody's wife. Boy, that's one I would not have seen coming. And then, uh, maybe I have better terminology. And then, in the book, apparently the mayor, this is the uh, mayor uh, Vaughn, right? He feels pressure in the movie to open up the, the beaches because of the business owners. In the book, apparently he felt pressure from the mafia. <laughs> that is a weird book. Yeah, the Hooper of having an affair with a wife. The mafia's involved in Jaws? That doesn't... Look, I, I love a good mafia movie. You love a good mafia movie, as we, we found out from the rewatchable movie bracket in The Wind by Goodfellas. But I don't know necessarily that the mafia... It feels like Martha's Vineyard is not necessarily a place where the uh, mafia is operating quite that... Uh, quite, <laughs> quite that much. Very, very strange. All right, so there you go. Not the moment of inspiration for today, but I had to bring it up. Also, uh, in that movie, that the you know the character of Quint, that was actually based on a guy who's in the guy in the, the movie, the guy who plays uh, Ben Gardner. Remember Ben Gardner? We we find Ben Gardner in his boat all torn up, and we find at least pieces of Ben Gardner. That's the guy who kind of helped uh, Robert Shaw, the actor, kind of work on his accent. And uh, gave him some old, like, fishing stories that he later used in the movie. So I, I never miss an opportunity to bring up Jaws at any turn. So uh, there you go. 45 years ago, Jaws. The, the, the movie that everybody has watched uh, more than any other movie. In terms of just wa- seeing a section of it. And I bet you right now, if I Google it, Brian, do me a favor. Google Jaws on TV this week. And I bet I'm you somewhere... It. Somehow, in the next week, in the next seven days, Jaws will be airing at least two or three times somewhere on either, you know, basic cable or premium, you know, premium channel. Somewhere it's going to air. There's, there, there has not been a week that has gone by since I would say rough. I don't know when it first aired on HBO, but I would say probably like 1980, maybe 1979. Whenever it started airing on HBO, it has been airing every single week ever since then. So, all right, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. And um, we have focused on the big stories today. Obviously, Jamal Adams is still first and foremost. And our poll question, which is a little bit more of a fun take on it, um, is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Jet fans uh, seemingly uh, kind of turning on Jamal. I guess there's still some out there that are still supportive of Jamal and supportive of the player, right? He's a star player. He's your star player. He's a homegrown guy. 
You spent the sixth pick on him just a few years ago, so you don't want him to go anywhere. But it feels like that number of fans who are even supportive of him when this thing started just uh, you know a couple of months ago with the, the contract and everything else, and I guess you'd have to say it started last season with the um, the the whole trade uh, trade taking calls on him and all that type of stuff. I think that's really where it kind of initiated. And his reaction to that, it feels like there's still some that were supporting the player, but it feels like less and less. Fewer and fewer fans are still supporting the player. And I'm wondering if this latest video of him saying that he's trying to get traded to the Cowboys, I would think that that's going to impact it even, you know, that, that, that dwindling number is even dwindling even more. But uh, our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter at Gordon Damer, is uh, if, you, you know, fans are upset. So they want to punish the player, right? You're going to get traded someplace. Well, I'm going to trade you to the worst possible place. So he might want to go to Dallas, but we didn't give you Dallas as an option. You don't want to send him to Dallas, not knowing what you're going to get from any of these teams. So where's the worst destination you could possibly send him? And we came up with three options and then a fourth one, which uh, I don't think the Jet fan, <laughs> maybe they will. But the options we came up with, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Washington, or if you really want to punish him, you just keep him right where he is on the Jets. That's the worst punishment of all. Because, again, he doesn't really have any uh, any leverage in terms of uh, forcing the, the Jets' hand. So that's the poll question for today. But the stories which are up for today and uh, that we focused on, A, the baseball story, which at least good news, if we get to Friday and nothing has changed, I think that that would have to be when the ship sails on a baseball season, right? Like, may, and, and maybe it should Right? Like, it feels like the more that, the more details you get about whatever the baseball season would look like, it's not baseball anymore. It's bad enough that you're playing 60 games or 50 games or 48 games or 70 games even. You know, when the conversation first started, we first kind of realized that the impact that COVID-19 was going to have on the baseball season, we all kind of said, well, look, if you're going to cut down the season, all right, 162 is too much, and given the parameters of what we're dealing with, okay, fine. But maybe cut it down to 100. I think that the bare bones of it back then was, well, if it's any less than 80, it's not going to be a real season, right? It's not going to be a real thing. And now we're talking, we're, we're, we're quibbling, and they're quibbling about 60 or 70 games. And then you hear other rules about, you know, starting extra innings with a runner on second base as a way to, to quicken up games. Like you've, 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 you've already played nine innings. What are you, what are you talking about quicken up games? What, what's the point? Like, show me the evidence that shows, that shows you that if you play nine innings, the risk of getting the, the, the virus is this. But if you play 12 innings, the risk grows expert. Does that make sense to anybody anywhere that you would play nine innings and it's okay? It's an acceptable risk. But you know what? We can't have these games going on forever and ever. What? What's the point of that rule? So it just feels like the more, it's like the Seinfeld thing about, all right, tomorrow night, Paul O'Neill has to catch a ball in his hat. It feels like some of these rules that they're putting in and the the number of them, it just feels like it's not going to be baseball anyway. Now, look, the way things are going and the way things have gone, it doesn't seem like you're going to get baseball anyway. And I, I guess the good news is that no matter how you feel about it, I would think that if you have not gotten a deal 
by Friday at the latest. I mean, at what point do you have to just say, you know what, it's not going to work? Or the other road, which certainly seems like the road they're going to go down, right? Like if the players the players held off on their vote on the 60 games, but you would think that at some point this week they're going to have to vote on that, whether or not they get the more information that they want to get. And if it goes the way it certainly seems like it's going to go, where they're going to reject that plan, then Rob Manfred, even though he may say he doesn't want to do it, he's going to institute a season. And then the players are going to file a grievance, and then, you know, all all hell's going to break loose. So at this point, at least the good news on a baseball front is that it doesn't seem like that they're getting any real closer to anything really happening. And if they, if they don't, you know, long way to go in a short time to get there, if they don't by Friday, you'd have to think that the the topic is going to be removed in and of itself because you just can't continue to go down that road. Uh, and it, already, as things stand, even if they were to come up with a deal today, even if they were to come up with a deal right now, as baseball has laid it out, right, they don't want to be playing into November. So you would be trying to squeeze 60 games into 66 days. I'm assuming if you're instituting rules where you don't want to play anything more than 10 innings or you're trying to make sure that you don't play anything, you know, long games, you're not going to be playing double headers. That's not going to be available. Although, given the, the the road that they're going down here just to try to squeeze in something that they're going to call a baseball season, you have to wonder, maybe <laughs> maybe we'll just go to seven-inning games. Hey, it's still baseball. Hey, there's still baseball. I mean, at some point, you just kind of have to come to acceptance that it, it 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 is what it is, and you can't pull it off. And you guys certainly can't pull it off. If anybody can't pull it off, it's the two sides involved in trying to pull it off. But even more so than that, you have not been able to do so. And given the situation with the COVID and the numbers increasing in Florida and, and maybe increasing in other places as well, maybe at the end of the day, while we've been focusing on this thing or that thing, we've kind of missed the main point is that the, the environment is just not going to be safe to be able to uh, to pull off a baseball season, one that you thought was lined up perfectly for you to – to shine, right? You're, you're going to have the stage all to yourself. You're going to have baseball on July 4th and how wonderful that would be. And now it just feels like as the days pass and the details come out more and more, it feels like there no, it feels like the last two or three weeks, while there's been a lot of bickering, while there's been a lot of stories here or there, it doesn't feel like there's been any progress at all. And whether or not there can be progress at this point, um, it, it doesn't feel like it's it's moving in that direction. And I guess the only saving grace is if you're tired of the conversation, what it feels like a lot of people are. It feel, and I feel I have to be honest. I feel like I'm kind of tired of the conversation. Either you know, play a season, put it in place, or you know, the old line about uh, doing something or getting off the pot. Well, this is the week for baseball to either do that or to get off the pot. I think that that's the the one thing that you can take as a, a saving grace in terms of the baseball conversation. And Brian alerts me that Jaws Jaws is not going to be back on TV until July second. What this is this is June twenty second. That's a, I, I I can't believe. I know that's outrageous. I, I was like double checking because I was like, wait, really? I, I yeah, feel that like can't. It's always... that, that, I, I, I I'm sorry, Brian. I, I trust you. I, I checked believe on you, Fios, but uh, I, I don't says, trust you, and I don't believe Jaws on TV. Let me see what. Uh, what I checked on it said on Files, and according to Files, Showtimes, and it's like okay, 
It's on HBO East and HBO West. And I was like, all right, July 2nd. July 2nd. That's crazy. That this sounds the, insane. Don't they know it's the 45th anniversary? <laughs> I guess they missed the mark on this. <laughs> yeah, they really missed, they really missed the mark on that. You would figure, right? This is the, the first summer blockbuster. Wow, that's crazy. It's not going to be on that, that, that is one of the longest stretches of it not being on TV. And it's only what? Like 10 days, right? How many days are there in June? Is there 30 days in June? I'm not sure. That's a long stretch for Jaws not to be on TV. Bad job out of them. Especially, let me see if Jaws 2 is on anytime soon. Because if Jaws 2 is on, well, that's just, that's just outrageous. Really, any other Jaws, all right, they don't put Jaws 2 on until uh, the third. So look, if you're look, if you haven't caught it, they don't like it. I guess. No, all oh, all the other Jaws is we people who are a fan of Jaws. You just try to avoid uh, ever mentioning it. And I think that that uh, none of the other ones were any good. And Jaws two, Jaws two is bad, but they just progressively get worse and worse and worse. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's squeeze a couple calls in here before we uh, turn things over to uh, Golik and Wingo. Let's go to uh, Eddie is in Manhattan. Eddie, what's going on, my man? Hey, hey, going good morning. How you doing? First of I'm all, I'd like, like to say good morning to all my fellow letters out here about to go to work and build New York City up. So God, God bless, bless you, my man, and be safe. And yes. I like to say, I don't think they should have no sport period this year. Cause you see, like in Florida right now, the cases are going up. So yep. they're about to have basketball in Florida, right? So we don't know what's going to happen. More and more basketball players going to come up sick. More and more baseball players going to come up sick. So they should just scrap everything and start all over next year. That's my personal opinion, but who knows? Yeah. You know, it's all about money. Yeah. Well, look, Eddie, I mean, it's about, it's about life too, though, right? I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into life, right? And I'm sure that for a lot of us, um, especially maybe not me because I, I, I've been at home, but for people that have, they don't have that option, right? Like sometimes you have to put your financial interests over other, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into the decisions that we make. And it's going to be big for the NBA because it seems like this is the week where they, the players themselves have to come up to a decision on whether or not they are going to take part. And it's not just the, the COVID factor. It's also the social protest. I'm sure there's going to be players who decide that, you know, this is not the time for me to be playing basketball when this other thing is going on. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I think for a lot of people, you can't put your life on hold forever. And it is a balancing act, right? Like you can't just stay in your house all the time. And for players who have a very short shelf life, very short careers, this is their opportunity to strike, strike it so that they can set up their families, their, 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 for, for generations to come. So it's a very tough call, but I think that a lot of players, especially in the NBA, even with the numbers, even with the factor of COVID, I do think that they are going to play. And, uh, at least as someone who's selfish and just thinking about themselves, I, I I need the distraction. I need something to make me feel like life is getting back to normal, even if it's not getting back to normal for everyone. Well, all right, that's going to do it for today. We're out of time already? Yeah, we're out of time already. Please vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer, all about Jamal Adams. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer, and we're back tomorrow with a big show on Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.